fear and love are both important drivers if we are going to have healthy boundaries within our person, within our personal relationships, within our organizations, and within society at large. When I'm talking about the the big spheres of society, we have to know what we are running away from, and we need to know what we need to be running towards. Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. As I mentioned, understanding the domains and spheres of society, it's it's the critical foundation to build a framework by which we can understand and view the world and walk in the world. Having a framework by we can by which we can understand what we as people are responsible for and what different spheres of society is responsible for and who they are responsible to, it's critical for us in order to produce good fruit, good results, beneficial results, and and build healthy and just systems in our world. When we don't have a proper framework of, of bounds for society at large, we are going to produce systems and cycles that are that are deadly and that breed corruption and and uh, uh, imbalance of power. But in order for us to understand that at a big societal level, first we need to understand some of the fundamental things on a small personal level because those fractile out. What how we order our own lives and how we understand we ought to order our lives gives us insight and understanding of how the larger macro systems ought to operate and how we ought to design them and ought to build and promote those systems within the world. But first, before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting. I wrote this book in a season of my life where my metrics stopped working. And that was largely because I had been in a ecosystem in relationships where I was operating unhealthily and was probably in a plethora of codependent relationships, which we're going to get into and talk about today. But when we moved out of that ecosystem into a new ecosystem here in the Middle East, I all of a sudden found myself flailing because all the things that I had been leaning on to give me affirmation, all the things that I was leaning on to tell me that I was going in the right direction or doing a great job, they crumbled away. And so I wrote this book from that place where I started to really question, what are the principles? What are my thought processes that are is driving my life. The North Star, the the compass, what is driving my compass? And so I wrote this book, which is full of stories, principles, scientific studies to help me reframe my world. And one of the things that I talk about in this book is how if we want to make a real impact, we are better off rather than trying to really hard to fill stadiums and reach millions and millions and millions of people. If we are were to focus small 
on the ones and twos around us, those who are in our domain of influence, those who are in our sphere of influence, and we impact them in a deep way that will have cascading effects that will last for generations if we really want to make an impact on the world? Or are we actually looking just to get our name big? Are we actually looking just to become famous, to be a name that's recognized? Or are we looking to make a real impact in the world around us? So please, the link is in the show notes, Anchor the Discipline to Stop Drifting. It's on Amazon and it's on the website, Lucas Scrobot, L-U-C-A-S-S-K-R-O-B-O-T.com. And while you're there, you'll see a little link on the side of the website where you can click it and you can leave a question for me that would be answered right here on the show. If you have a question about this episode or any of the previous episodes, you can leave a message for me there or you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero, and I would love to answer your questions. Now, healthy boundaries. In the simplest of terms, healthy boundaries are knowing what you are willing to say no to and willing to say yes to, and then following through by communicating that to the world around you and then holding yourself to those principles in a way that does not violate your own autonomy and does not violate others, other people's autonomy through control or manipulation. If you have boundaries, and we talked about this in the previous episode, if you have quote-unquote boundaries that really depend on you manipulating and controlling other people to get what you want, to meet your demands, then those aren't boundaries. Those are entitlements and demands that you have in your life that you are looking to extract someone something from someone else rather than to maintain your own independence as an individual and as a person. So today, we are going to talk about how to do that. We're going to talk about some of the leading frameworks that we can view our personhood, that we can view what we need to run away from, the things that we need to say no to, and what we need to say yes to, what we need to run towards on a personal level. Right? I'm not, I'm not a, a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. Um, this is not professional advice as far as your own interpersonal life. So we're not going to be able to dive into the the nitty gritty details of every possible situation. If you're finding yourself having problems with boundaries, I would suggest the book Boundaries by Cloud, Dr. Cloud. Great book, excellent book. And I would also strongly advise that you see a therapist. Now there's many types of therapists. I prefer cognitive behavioral therapists. Um, I just love the framework that they operate out of. So if you're having problems with boundaries in your life, and maybe this episode is waking you up to some unhealthy relationships that you have been fostering in your life, then I strongly suggest you take some extra steps and you can reach out to me and I would be happy to point you towards the right resources. But for the sake of today's episode, instead of going in the nitty gritty, I want to, again, build a framework. I find when we have a framework 
by which we can filter and sort through the issues of the world, the issues of our lives, it helps us see more clearly. And instead of having to deal with each individual situation, we're able to say, well, where does this situation fall? And we can easily sift and filter through to achieve and arrive at a healthy answer and a healthy solution. So the basic start of boundaries is knowing what you want to say no to. Not merely what you don't want others to do to you, but what you don't want to do within your own life. Now, it is far easier, in my opinion, to know what we want to say no to rather than knowing what we want to say yes to. It starts by saying no. Because there are millions and billions of decisions and pathways that we can choose in life. And each one has its own destination. Not all paths lead to Rome. I hate to break it to you. Not all paths lead to Rome. There's all these choices that we can make. By starting off by saying, okay, I don't want any of these. And we're just crossing off massive areas of of choices that actually begins to bring a ton of freedom, right? The boundary lines have fallen for us. Boundary lines fall for us in pleasant places. That means when we set up boundary lines in our life, healthy boundaries, we actually find joy. We actually find freedom. It actually brings, it breaks anxiety because we're no longer in this valley of decision day in, day out, wondering what choices we might randomly make today. When we wake up and we have, we know that we've already decided the path of life that we were on, it relieves us from so much anxiety. So what are you going to say no to? A really easy example of this is marriage. When you're getting married to someone, you are saying Yes to one individual. And that's very hard to do, right? There's 3.5 billion people of the opposite gender that you could possibly say yes to. So you have to find the one to say no to. So you have to find the one to say yes to. But then in that, you also realize that you are saying no to every other option in the world. You're saying no to 3.5 billion choices and saying yes to one choice and committing to one choice. And as we do this, it eases the anxiety in our lives. As I said, boundary lines fall for us in pleasant places. With our kids, we do this all the time. We, we find with our children, we have four boys, and we find when, our, when we have not set clear boundaries, and clear expectations for our children, we find that they are unhappy, they are more agitated, they easily break down. When, when we find ourselves in a new situation where the boundary lines aren't clear, where we haven't com- clearly communicated what's expected of them, what to say yes to and what to say no to, we find that they are much less happy. But when we have made it clear This is how we do behave. This is how we don't behave. This is how we will act in this situation. This is how we won't act. They 
have so much joy in knowing their boundaries and those boundaries actually give them freedom, knowing how to behave, knowing what they can and cannot do gives them so much freedom. Back to the marriage example. When I talk to people in their young 20s, oftentimes I see that they are riddled with such anxiety over who are they are going to marry in life. And they're, they're plagued with this question because they have so many options that are out there and they're wondering, well, who's it going to be? How am I, how am I going to sort this out? Who's the one person for me? And so that's not to say that that person should rush that decision. I think that is probably one of the most important decisions in your life, the person that you decide to marry. It's so important. It is so important who you decide to marry because it will drastically affect the rest of your life. Even I hope you don't, but even if you end up getting a divorce years down the road, you are still attached to that person in a very significant way and will have a huge impact. So it's not a decision that we want to rush, but I have just noticed that once someone makes a commitment to that individual, all of a sudden the world the options of the world close and actually a lane of opportunity and a lane of being able to dream and move forward in the world opens up and that gives so much freedom. Boundaries in our life, knowing what we'll say no to gives us freedom. And I'm all about freedom, which we're going to hear about more in this episode and the next episode. But the way that I view the world, the framework that I view it in is thinking, I think individuals should have the agent, well, they have the agency, but they should be given the autonomy to act with the the God-given freedom that they have, that they should be able to act in the world freely, without control, without manipulation, without someone else telling them what they should do. Now, I also, I'm not a full-on libertarian who thinks that anyone should be able to do anything that they want. I think there needs to be laws, but within the the bounds of those laws, I am so pro-freedom. And that is the framework that we're going to be seeing fleshed out, not only in this episode, but in the episode to come. But in order for us to actually have real freedom, real freedom is not having a the plethora of choices and many options, that actually does not bring freedom. Real freedom comes from knowing what we're saying no to, knowing where our boundary lines are, and that is what brings us joy and happiness and fulfillment, knowing the the no's. So how do we do that? Boundaries in many ways, as I said, is knowing what will harm us in the long run and knowing what will help us in the long run. So what are the harmful activities and what are the helpful activities? There's a a proverb, an ancient proverb that says, the fear of God keeps us from evil. So fear is such a powerful motivator and we actually need to be fearful of consequences, fearful of God, fearful of of knowing that if we go down this path, there are going to be huge negative consequences. Take drug addiction, for example. If we are fearful of drug addiction, knowing the pathway that that will lead us on, we will run away even from 
drugs that are, are what are called gateway drugs, even to drugs that start us down the path towards doing heavier and heavier drugs. We are going to flee far away from that boundary line because we know that is going to bring us bondage. That quote-unquote freedom to do what I want in abusing drugs is going to turn into a prison that will will bondage us and cause our world to be in just filled with pain and depression and, and strife, fear, Knowing what we need to run away from, what we need to say no to, is the first thing. There's a study that was done several decades ago, I believe in the 50s or 60s, where they had rats in a maze. And they were timing to see how long it would take the rats to get through this maze. And so in the first part of the study, they put behind the the rat the smell of a cat, their predator. And so these rats would smell the cat and they would run very fast away from the predator to the other end of the maze, faster than if there was nothing that they were running away from. Fear is a powerful motivator. Fearing the negative consequences drives us away from making harmful decisions like doing drugs, like extramarital relationships, like cheating, like lying, like eating poorly, like slacking off at a work, like binging on Netflix. Fear drives us away from these seemingly comfortable compromises that we can make that will actually harm us in the long run. And now we talked about this a little bit on the previous episode where oftentimes people are in fear and because they're in fear, they begin to move away from relationship. And they're saying, I need to self-preserve. I need to make sure that me, myself, and I is taken care of. I, sorry, I can't do that. I can't help you there. I can't, I need to take care of number one. I need to make sure that my world is healthy first before I can step in and take care of your world. And in some ways that's true, but as we were talking about in the previous episode, oftentimes people do that to self-preserve out of fear. They're running away from the possibility of giving too much, away from the, the possibility of overextending themselves, the possibility of being controlling, manipulative relationships and doing things they don't want to do. But then they're only running from things and self-preserving rather than stepping into their purpose. So the, the next major point is love. Now, love is different than fear. We run away from fear. We run away from evil. And that, keep, that, that fear keeps us from bad decisions. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that fear is going to drive us to good decisions or drive us towards love. And so it is love that drives us towards good decisions and healthy decisions. So in the example that we just gave, even from the previous episode, when we are in fear and we withdraw and we self-preserve in the name of boundaries, because we feel like we're entitled to something, we withdraw in fear. Now we just build up this wall of self-preservation and we're no longer driven 
outwards in an expression of love to do good, to fulfill our purpose and potential. So we can not do evil, but still not do good. And it's love that's the motivator, the aim. We have to have an aim in our lives and an aim in our world, something that we are pursuing. So just like in marriage, we realize that we're saying no to 300 or to 3.5 billion relationships. And we're setting up strong boundaries saying that these are, I'm not going to interact this way with people outside of my marriage. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spend a lot of one-on-one alone time or any one-on-one alone time with someone that's not my spouse, that's of the opposite gender. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I've said no to those 3.5 billion options, and I've said yes to the one option. And then in that saying, yes, the, the love is driving me towards lofty and worthy goals towards my wife towards her to pouring into that relationship and doing good in that relationship. Back to the study of the rats. In the study of the rats, they did another experiment where instead of having the smell of a cat, of a predator behind the rat, they put the smell of cheese or the smell of food at the end of a maze. They found that the rat also ran faster towards the cheese, towards the aim, towards the goal, rather than if there's nothing that it was running to. But notice, there's two things. There's the fear and there's the love. They did a third experiment where they put both in play. They had the smell of the cat behind the rat and the smell of the cheese in front of it. And the rat ran the fastest in that experiment, which shows that We need both the fear of negative consequences, the fear of the Lord keeps us from evil, right? The fear of God, being afraid of negative consequences will keep us from doing evil, but the aim and the desire for for love to do good will drive us towards positive action. And both are needed in order for us to stay outside of toxic relationships and, and, and toxic situations with unhealthy boundaries. Because imagine, as I said, we've been talking about what happens when we have fear, but we don't have love. Well, we self-preserve and we isolate because it's all self-love, which is all narcissistic and, and fear-based, and we're all self-focused. But the way that we walk into purpose is by being other-focused, because everything that we do, if we wanted to have purpose, it has to interact with other people around us. So when our aim is rooted in fear, we fall into self-preservation. But when we flip that around and we don't have any fear, but we're just trying to be driven by love and we don't know what we're saying no to, then we fall into other toxic relationships where we find ourselves in codependent relationships saying yes to everything. Where we're saying yes to everything because we want to be loving, we want to be good, but we're, we're not aware that we're actually compromising and we're running towards evil. So love drives us to give to other people. And when we have self-focused love, as I said, we become narcissistic, we shrink back, 
we self-preserve, and we fall into a poverty mentality that I don't have enough to give. We fall into fear. We fall into fear, feeling like, I don't, if I give, then I'm going to have this lack. But truly, it's better to give than it is to receive. And setting up boundaries is more about saying what and how and who we want to give our energies towards rather than saying how we need to protect ourselves. So think of boundaries It's more of where am I channeling my energy, not how am I protecting myself? Where are we channeling our energy? Not how are we protecting ourselves? We talk about seeking truth on this podcast. We talk about uncovering our purpose on this podcast. And boundaries are an important part of understanding truth, understanding how do we view the world and how do we walk out in the world. The truth is more than a set of, of facts, more than a set of scientific understandings or, or moral um, compasses or, or discoveries or principles. But truth is something that we have to walk out, that we have to live out. It's action that we take, that we have to walk in. Now, purpose, purpose always intersects with other people. If you think of wanting to have a life that's full of purpose, we, we talked about in a previous episode with Dr. Egnor of, of, of Tilios or, or the, the the, the study of purpose. And in order for something to have purpose, it has to be about something. And something can only be about something when we ascribe meaning and value to that object. So a rock sitting in the middle of a forest is just a rock. It's not about anything. But the moment that we say, well, that is good for sitting, now it is about something that has this aboutness to it, it has telios or purpose to it. And that takes someone ascribing value to that object. Now, as individuals, we have value, but we also want to act in a way that is valuable and meaningful to other people. And that's where we find that overlap of purpose. So if you think about music, you think like, well, my purpose is to create good music that other people enjoy. Well, it's other people need to enjoy it. If it's art, if it's architecture, if it's making a good cup of coffee for someone, that has to intersect with other people. So our our purpose in the earth is how are we blessing and affecting other people around us? How are we giving something of value to other people around us? That requires that being that being driven by love out of our self-preservation shell into giving something to other people. Now, as I said, you might be expecting a, a list of healthy boundaries, what to do and not to do. And there's plenty of lists on the internet that you can find of examples of healthy boundaries and unhealthy boundaries. But as I said, I wanted to give more of a fundamental framework to think about our lives of, okay, what are we want running away from and what are we running towards? Now, as I mentioned, we are running away. We need to run away from evil, harm, and codependent relationships. And we need to run to things that are, are good, goodness, uprightness, love, and selfless living because that's where we find that point of purpose. So there's four different types of relationships. There are Dependent relationships. Now you can think of a newborn baby is dependent on the mom. 
There are independent relationships. There's people who are completely self-sufficient where they don't need anything from anyone else. Then there are codependent relationships and codependent relationships uh, always are relationships that are based on enabling and control and manipulation. And we're about to talk about that in just a moment. And then there's interdependent relationships. And in interdependent relationships, both parties are independent and then they choose through mutual giving and service to lean on one another, but they don't need to. It's not something that's core to who they are. They're individuals that choose to lean on one another. Now, these relationships and kinds of relationships can function between two people in a family and in larger spheres of society, which we're going to begin to talk about in the next episode. But I want to talk for a moment about codependent relationship so that we can see how that differs from independent relationships. So Dr. Leon Setzler writes in this article on codependent relationships that the difference between someone who is in a dependent relationship, like a a child dependent on its mother, newborn child, it's completely dependent on its mother. Codependent individuals or codependent relationships, it's not that they are dependent on each other, that they need one another to survive, but rather paradoxically, he says, they are primarily dependent on the other person's dependence on them. Notice, in a codependent relationship, it's not that I'm leaning on you and I need you and you need me, but it's I am dependent on you needing me. So my world relies on the fact that you need me. Well, you need me. This is where we see uh, enabling relationships where one person is the the powerless victim and there's someone that comes in and enables, whether it's a drug addiction or an anger problem, um, there's one person who is enabling the other person's bad behavior or unhealthy, toxic behavior, and then they enter in this manipulative, connected cycle in a relationship that is just terribly toxic and unhealthy. Dr. Setzler continues, and he writes, for, as defined psychologically, codependence is clearly maladaptive and dysfunctional. It may have a certain mutality to it, but it is negatively symbiotic in a way interdependence is not. Having dependency needs isn't by itself unhealthy. We all have dependency needs. We all have areas in our life we're dependent on other people. So that's not unhealthy. In an interdependent relationship, however, each party is able to comfortably rely on the other for help, understanding, and support. It's a value-added kind of thing. The relationship contributes to both individual resilience, resourcefulness, and interstrength. All at the same time, each party remains self-sufficient and self-determining. They maintain a clear identity apart from the relationship and are quite able to stand on their own two feet. So an interdependent relationship is where two individuals are independent, resilient, resourceful, have their own inner strength, but they recognize that they are dependent on one another for certain things. 
On the contrary, he writes, a codependent union is where one or both parties are over-dependent on each other. It is a relationship in which two individuals lean so heavenly on one another that both of them are left off balance. In their desperate trying to get core dependency needs met, their true identities are distorted and their developmental and potential socially, personally, and professionally is stifled. The relationship is reciprocal only in that it's enabling both of them to avoid confronting their worst fears and self-doubts. As opposed to healthy dependency, defined here as interdependence, the codependent individual in such a relationship needs to be needed. Codependence needs to be needed if they're to feel okay about themselves. They simply can't feel this way unless they are giving themselves up or sacrificing themselves for their partner. Sadly, without being dependent upon, sometimes virtually as a lifeline, they feel alone, inadequate, insecure, and unworthy. So what the doctor here is saying is that in codependent relationships, both parties need to be needed. It's not that they need someone else, but they need someone else to need them. Their entire identity and purpose is wrapped up in someone else needing them rather than them saying, I'm an individual. I don't need anyone to need me. I can, I need, I need things from other people. I'm not fully independent. None of us are. None of us are really islands unto ourselves. We all need to interact with people in relationships, but it's in interdependent relationships We are mutually submitting. We're saying, I'm a resilient individual, but I recognize I have a responsibility to you and you have a responsibility to me. And we're figuring out where we can give to one another and where we can maintain our autonomy. But we're not in the place of saying, I need you to need me for me to feel like I'm a worthy and whole individual. A number of years ago, me and a business partner were were working to enter into a working business relationship. And as it turns out, it was quite an unhealthy, codependent relationship. And now, as we were trying to broker this deal and how we were to work together on this venture, I, I began to seek some advice trying to figure out, okay, we're not really lining up on some of our vision. How can we make this work? And so I, I came to my business partner and I said, look, there are, there are some things that we just can't work on. Our visions are just too different, but here are the places that we can work together and here are the places that we can't work together. Now, my business partner at the time, potential business partner, and he said, no, we're either, it's either all or nothing. It was an ultimatum. It's either we are, you are fully in and you're doing what I say the way that I say that I want it. And, you know, I'll provide you with this amount of financing, but you need to provide me with this whole list of things that I want. It's this need to be needed. And I, and I said, you know, we just can't do that. This is not, it doesn't align with our vision. It doesn't align with the direction that we want to go. But hey, look, there are these areas that we can partner on. And there's these other areas 
that we need to have autonomy in because you have a different vision and direction that you want to go with this company than I do. But we can have a, a joint solution around some of these core operations. But it was, nope, that won't work. I paint that picture to show a stark example between an interdependent relationship and a codependent relationship. That was a codependent relationship where it was all or nothing, where you do not have any identity outside of me and what I'm doing. We need to be fully connected and committed. And just a a few months ago, I was having another conversation working on on a, a project and it was the same conversation. It was like, okay, well, where can we as an independent group come in and say, here's where we can serve you and here's where you can serve us. Here's the, the intersection of interdependence and this being a healthy relationship. They said, that's great. That's awesome. We would, this is the area that we need help in and this is how we can contribute to you in this joint venture. And so when you think about the differences between codependent and interdependent in, in the, the realm of boundaries in your personal life, in your relationships, whether it's with friends, whether it's with your spouse, or whether it's with your children, what you need to think and what you need to say is, okay, how can I become an independent individual, a strong, resilient person that runs away from evil, that runs away from things that are going to be ultimately destructive in my life, but I'm not running away to self-preserve in a shell. I am then being driven by love to purpose to do good in the world that helps other people because our purpose is found in helping other people. We have to give in order for us to walk in the purposes that we are to fulfill in this lifetime. So as we do that and we're stepping out, we're saying, okay, where can I serve without needing to be needed and without someone else demanding that I'm fully reliant on them. And then how can someone else be responsible to me, not for me, in the like manner? Because we all have areas of dependency in our life. As we will see in the coming episode, these same principles apply as we fractile out to larger segments of society, whether it's just the family or whether it's education or government or the religious sphere or media or arts and entertainment, as we move into the other spheres of society, we will begin to see that there are specific things that each sphere should run away from, and there are certain things that need to run towards. And when fear kicks in and they self-isolate or they don't, they're not fearful of the boundary lines. You're not saying I need to stay clear of these areas. We begin to see those codependent relationships form where there's unhealthy uh, centralization of power and corruption begins to breed or they don't want to properly love others and give towards others and they're self-preserving. And again, that same corruption begins to breed and an ingrown narcissism begins to happen in the broader segments of society. So we're going to be talking about the seven spheres of society and how they are meant to independently uh, and interdependently function with one another 
and what happens when they move into codependence in one sphere of society becomes too big and begins to overstep its bounds. Just as in personal relationships, when one person oversteps their bounds to quote unquote, help someone else, to serve someone else, and they enter into a codependent relationship, it becomes toxic and it actually becomes enabling. The classic example is a drug addict who continues to ask their family members for more money and they're staying and they're living at a place for free. The person who is giving money and allowing them to continue on in their bad habits, whether it's alcoholism or drug abuse, they're enabling and they're actually not helping that individual. Well, those same things can happen when we look at larger spheres and domains of society. So to sum up this episode, how do we have a framework that that we can begin to view or personalize on a very basic level in order to begin to nurture healthy boundaries in our life? It starts by knowing what are we running away from? What are we saying no to? What do we fear will happen in our life if we continue on with bad habits? And how do we run away from that? And then what are we running to? Where is our our calling and our purpose to pour into? What are we saying yes to and channeling our energy to in love? Because it is the the act of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering that we need to know where we are called to be long-suffering, to bear other people's burdens in a selfless way, not the whole world, but where are we supposed to focus our energy in order for us to step into purpose? We need to know who we are serving, who we are not. We need to know what are our responsibilities and what are we not responsible for. We need to know what we can expect from other people around us and what we should not and cannot expect from others. Knowing this fosters freedom in our life, freedom to know what we are pursuing, purpose in pursuing those goals while serving others, while being confident in what we're saying no to. And that gives us the independence to know what we are not responsible for, how we're not responsible for the other person, but we have a responsibility to them. So I hope you stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about how this all fractiles out and how we can see domains and spheres of society operate interdependently rather than falling into narcissistic or enabling functions of society. I would love to hear if you have any questions about this episode or any of the previous episodes. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero and I would love to answer your questions. Finally, you are a change maker that pursues truth and I hope that you go out and own your future. <laughs>